Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. In a big market and you want to get a job and there's a, the market slows down, you're in bad shape. It's a very good kind of job to have. There's a lot of stability that government attorneys have. It. So does an associate who's been fired have any leverage? This is a good question. And again, I one of the things I would say to anybody that's been fired, if you've been practicing for any length of time, meaning five plus years or 10 plus years, most attorneys at some point get fired or asked to leave or basically given them the idea that they're not going to have a future there. It doesn't matter what firm you're at. It's just, this is what happens. And then people can be fired for all sorts of reasons. It doesn't just, someone doesn't like you and who knows, it's just all what it is. And so it's nothing to worry about and define yourself by future. But does anyone have been fired of any leverage asked for better severance package? Yes, of course you have asked for a severance. Can you, I, I, some law firms will not give it. A lot of times they will give it only if you sign a release. And but yes, you definitely do have to ask for severance and and should you you I think that there's a lot of fear of people that they have of employers and other things. But if you have relied on someone's representations and and, and then you can definitely ask for severance. I would be very careful. And again, I'm not no one. I'm not an expert in this stuff, and and I tend to. But anyway, I don't like suggesting. But if Anytime something like this happens, you just need to be very careful about treading lightly. So the problem is if you sue an employer or that sort of thing, this is, it all becomes public record. And, uh, and then people may, will be scared of hiring you in the future. Law firms do do background checks. So sometimes people will go get an attorney's advice and then the attorney will always suggest that you send, that you sue them because, or that they get involved so they can get a commission or but it just, you need to be very careful. But I, yeah. But at the same time, you, you, if someone is, you, you do have the option to, to ask for severance and, to, and that sort of thing and more. And a lot of times you only get what you ask for if you negotiate it. So I just, I, yeah, and people will just think about it this way. So if a law firm is letting you go, that's a group of 30 or 40 people that are representing each other and defending each other. And you're just kind of there. So you have no one defending you and you're just going to take what they offer and don't know your rights. And they may put something in front of you and say, sign it now or they, and you just, and that's, you need to be careful because so I, I'm not telling you to ever sue someone, but, but I would say that if someone is hurting your career and you've moved someplace and now you have leases and all these other obligations, it's scary. It's not, and it's not their fault if their business slows down, but, but you, definitely need to, to some extent, you want to do the best you can for yourself. Okay. So this is another good question. I like this question. Okay. Okay. So this is, how is it better to address questions about salary, previous salary? This, my previous law firm salary was global law firm salary was high. I do not want to scare a potential employer away. I'm okay with receiving less than before. At the same time, I want to get as high as possible. Okay. So the first thing to understand, and what this is actually a really important point. If you're a young attorney and you're in your twenties, Attorneys practice into their 80s. So you, your goal is to continue working. It's not to get the highest salary and as much money as you can right now. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a high salary. That's, of course, everyone wants to. So there's nothing wrong with that. But your goal is to continue working and your goal is to be happy working. So if you're concentrating on your salary, that's insane. People do this again. It's, and you're making that the only thing that you're trying to do is get a high salary. That's not going to help you. What you need to do is you need to worry about trying to stay employed 
with a firm that's going to give you the most upward mobility and that you're comfortable and happy and whatever. But all these sorts of things that are important to you. If a law firm asks you about your salary, you basically say, my salary is very high. My previous is what you said. It was very high in my previous big law firm. I don't want to scare anybody away. I was fortunate enough to get this job. I realized that these sort of salaries are not normal in the market. My goal is to work at a place where I'm happy, where I have potential, all these sorts of things, and to be rewarded for my efforts in the long run. Those sorts of statements, which you're saying here is very honest. This is really all you need to say is what you've said. But yeah, people don't focus. I've just seen so many people focus on salary and what's fair and and, it's, and, and that's good, but at the same time, it can hurt you. So I, I had an instance once, this was a long time ago, where I was, and I don't know why if this is that important, but I had someone that was recommended to me that I hire, someone that couldn't get a job. They were the youngest graduate of, I think, Berkeley Law School in history or something, I mean, a very young person. And it was recommended that I bring them on because no one would hire them because they were so young. So I hired this person and and paid them, I don't know, when I started out, I was paying them maybe you know, whatever, but not a lot of money. And then maybe I gave them a raise to a pretty, and they weren't even really doing legal work. And then all of a sudden, the salaries, there was a big salary increase at all the firms. And this person became very angry. And then they went to HR and our company was like, this is what Berkeley people are making and all this stuff. So I gave this person a raise to a high salary of whatever people were making as second or third year attorneys, which was a lot of money for our company at the time. And and then, but then the market at the same time, this person was not working the same hours as people in big firms were. And then the business that I was in, which wasn't all, it was recruiting, but it was, but we also had some other businesses slowed down because there was a recession. And so what happened is this person, of course, it was ridiculous paying someone the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in today's money to come into work at 10 and leave at 4.30 or 5 every day. And so the point is that that if you if you make salary your only thing, and then after that person was no longer with our company and they had a bad experience in the legal profession, not all because of me, but because they couldn't get hired and and then when they did get hired, because they, yeah, it was just has never worked in the legal profession again. So the point is that, and I feel badly about that, but if you make salary your only thing, it's always going to, it's not going to, your goal needs to be to get experience, to find a place where you can be happy to, to all sorts of other things. And the reason I bring this up is because that person actually had done a lot of really good work, was very smart. And had they not demanded this huge salary and made an issue of it, they would still probably be employed with me. And as other people are 20 years later after this person that started at the same time and they would have been advanced and done well and would have been very valued. So if you make salary your only criteria, it can really hurt you. And and what employers want is they want loyalty and commitment and, and that sort of thing. You're not going to scare people away. If you're asked about salary, all you need to ask say is, I was making a really high salary. I know that, but that's not my value system is more based on finding a place that is going to where I'm going to have a lot of long-term potential. Because you have to think that you're in a marathon, not a race. This is, again, you're in a career that could last for 60 years. So why make a big deal out of it so early on when it could blow you out of the water? It would just, it's, I don't know how else to say that, but I've just noticed so many people demanding too much too early and it backfires. And so that's why I wanted to give that long-winded answer to your question. If laid off, is it a good accept offer of being in-house or is it better to do an LLM or PhD to continue looking at a law firm position? I love law firm environment and I really don't want to go in-house, but the market is tough. 
Okay, I, um, can be a good idea. Another thing that can be a good idea, believe it or not, if you're a corporate transactional attorney, can be getting an MBA. MBAs actually valued by law firms. They like people that go and get business experience, especially corporate and transactional people. They typically go to business school and then are always welcome back to law firms later on. So that, especially if it's from a good program, meaning a top 20 law, top 20 school. So that can be a good idea. Ms. and adult PhDs, and the problem is law firms do not like academics. So if you start looking academic, it's just a different style of thought. It's not as crisp and direct and it's more theoretical. So people aren't that enthusiastic about these LLMs are okay for certain practice areas like tax and even healthcare and employee benefits and some other things. But, but for the most part, you're better off doing that. You're better off if you want to go back to school, getting an MBA or LM and if it's a transactional practice area. The final thing that I would recommend if you do want to stay in a law firm, you you definitely want to be in a law firm and not go in-house. People go in-house all the time. It's extremely difficult to go back to a law firm after you've gone in-house. The reason is just because once you go in-house, it's just a different, it's a different set of demands and there's a whole bunch of different reasons for it, but you're better off and there's nothing wrong with going in-house, but it's just a different skill set. You're mostly in-house attorneys, not all are giving base. Anyway, it's giving work to law firms. And so it's not the smartest use of your your town if you want to be in a law firm. A law firm is about working for clients, building up a book of business and becoming an expert in a practice area. There's just a whole bunch of different things that a law firm attorney does that, that in-house attorneys don't do. So I definitely would recommend if you can stay in a law firm just because you the economy is bad and, uh, and you're laid off. You can work in smaller law firms in a larger market, or you can work in another law firm in a smaller market. That's all. It's not, it's not impossible to find a job. It's actually pretty easy. The only reason that people have so many issues during recessions, because they decide to stay in the hornet's nest where no one, there's no jobs. So if you're like, I, I'm from Detroit. So I did a, I worked for a federal judge in Detroit and then my options were, I could stay in Detroit or I could go to, I worked in New York over the summer when I was in law school, or I could go there or I could look at other markets. So I looked at, and so the reason I didn't stay in Detroit, which I would have probably thought was fun, which I wasn't a bad, wouldn't have been bad, is back then there were literally only like five firms. It was like Miller Canfield, there was Hanukkah Miller, there was Dickinson Wright, there was Dyke and McGosset. And a few others like Plunkett Cooney and that was, and then Foley and Lardner and some other national firms came later. But the idea was like, is that a good, is that smart to be in a market with only five firms? Like, that's pretty scary. Like, think about that. Like five firms, like five big firms that were paying market salaries at a time. And so is that a good, is that smart? I think it's, I like Detroit a lot. I think it's great, but that's scary. But if you're, if the corporate market dies, imagine if you're a corporate attorney in that market and you lose your job. Where else can you go? And you have four firms to choose from, other firms that work for big companies. That's scary. So that was my thought process. Now, if you're in a big market and you want to get a job and there's a, the market slows down, you're in bad shape because you're competing with everyone else at a big firm that was laid off. And that's scary. Even if you went to Harvard and you're in New York and there's going to be hundreds of people in your class year even, or 100 plus people in your class year that may be looking for the same jobs. Not that many, but quite a few. And so it's just very difficult a lot of times when you try to stay in large markets or certain small markets. So your options are you can move to a, another market, which is smart, or you can move to a smaller firm. That's how I would recommend doing it.
Okay. Do firms suffer any reputational harms or problems with recruiting when they fire first-year associates? Yes, they absolutely do. So there are certain firms like uh, that have never really done that. So you, you certainly have never heard of Cravath or Sullivan and Cromwell. Sullivan and Cromwell went off staff, but not associates. You've never heard of Tell or other, but and or Simpson Thatcher. But but you have heard of or Davis Polk never have laid off first year associates. So yes, they do. A firm that used to be kind of part of that group was Sherman and Sterling, and in two thousand and one they laid off a bunch of people. And Sherman and Sterling is a great firm, but they suffered huge reputational harm, and people still remember it because you took this firm that was almost unassailable. And suddenly was laying people off and in terms of this great reputation and and did that. And so firms do suffer a lot of reputational harm when they do it. And and it becomes from the kind of the pinnacle where you go and you're going to be safe to a place where all bets are off. And now I'm not saying that that I think any differently of that firm, but it's just what happened in terms of its reputation. We're talking about 20 plus years ago this happened. And so yes, they do suffer a lot of problems and then they become their brands suffer. In the eyes of attorneys, there are certain firms where if you do very well at Harvard Law School, there's six, maybe five or six firms of the best attorneys in New York that go to Harvard Law School that want to work in New York are, are going to be on the radar. Your Debevoises and other places like that. And if that those firms start laying people off, yes, they are they suffer massive reputational harm. And, and typically, the if you're able to get into these really good firms, there's much less risk of that. When you start getting into mid-sized and other firms, then yes, then there's not as many, there's not as much safety. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, if, if you do really well in the best law schools and you can get into the best firms, that you typically will have, you'll be more protected from that sort of thing. Yes. I mean, Again, I'm not trying to. I'm not here to say bad things about Sherman Sterling because I think they're a wonderful firm and there's a lot of good things. But I'm saying that's firms, and they may say, "Oh, we made a mistake a long time ago," and that just may be you know, the way it is. Here's another question: Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q and A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. So say it was three years into practice, he thought he could figure things out. And and then after 10 years, he realized he was just figuring it out. I've always liked that quote and thought others might like to hear. Yeah, that's very true. It's, it's interesting, the longer I do this job, and I've been doing it for a long time, the more I learn stuff every day about practice areas. And there's just a lot. Yes. So the longer you're just starting to figure things out, the longer you do it, and it would become much clearer. And that's one of the reasons, too, that if you focus on a practice area, and you stay in a law firm, you're always going to be a much better attorney because every day you're doing that practice area, you're learning new things. And every day you're in a law firm, you're learning how law firms operate as opposed to if you decide you want to switch practice areas and other sorts of things. So that can be very helpful. Okay. Here's a good question. Are there a lot of openings for business professionals in law firms? And the answer to that question is yes, there are lots of openings there. But law firms have all sorts of business people. They have chief operating officers and financial officers and marketing managers and all these different types of business people. They have recruiting managers and recruiting coordinators. And, the, and, and there's lots of openings for business people inside of law firms. Now, one of the dangers of being a business person inside of a law firm is no different than being an attorney inside of a company is that you become a cost center rather than a revenue center. So law firms will start in there because they're attorneys, they will defend other attorneys, even though you're an attorney, if you're doing a business type of work, the last, the first people to go are going to be the business people. And then the next will be the attorneys. So that's why it's risky. But yeah, there's lots of 
people that are business professionals inside of law firms. And some of them make incredible amounts of money, well over a million dollars a year running different aspects of law firms. And, and so you can do very well working in a law firm as a business professional. But at the same time, what is your security level? It's just one thing I would be concerned about. Okay, so this question is, and this is a good question. It says, the person says, are salaries affected in litigation as a recession? Yes, they are definitely affected. When there's recessions, the salaries tend to go up not as fast and or not at all. And But the law firm still has to pay corporate attorneys and other people. So the litigation salaries are not going to are not going to go up while, and they're just not going to change. It depends on the, the setting that you're in, though. If you're in a law firm that does nothing but litigation-related work, then, then yes, then your salary could go up if there's a lot of work. But yeah, the recession is most law firms, the salaries in one practice area are not going to affect everything. But the salaries tend to, when the salaries increase, by the way, this is actually a very interesting question. When the salaries increase in law firms, it's almost always when corporate is very active. So what happens during good markets is law firms make a lot of money doing M&A and securities and all sorts of corporate transactional work. And so there's a huge demand for corporate attorneys. And the only way that law firms can hold on to them is by paying more money because there's pressure for them to go in-house and other law firms are fighting like mad for them. And so the only way that law firms can hope to keep them is by jacking the salaries. Now, when they increase the corporate attorney salaries, they don't they have to increase everyone's salaries. So suddenly everyone gets raises. But really what always what drives these salary increases is the presence of corporate work. So the first salary has happened with Gunderson, which is the big one. I don't remember what year it was, maybe it was 2000 or 2001, where the salaries went from all the law firms back then were paying like 80. And then suddenly they went to 120. And, and it was because what was happening at this law firm Gunderson in Silicon Valley is all of the attorneys they were hiring were going in-house because at the time, all these people were going to these jobs in-house and being paid very well. But then these companies that were selling internets, I don't know, all these new internet companies were going public or getting these huge valuations. And suddenly attorneys were becoming millionaires, which had never happened before, it, like not at the same level that was happening. So there was a huge fight for corporate attorneys. And so all the salaries increased. It's the same thing that's happened with a recent round of salary increases. So salaries always go up during a huge when there's a huge demand for corporate attorneys, then when the demand for corporate attorneys goes away, which it always does during recessions, then all the corporate attorneys lose their jobs and litigation, because not I'm saying they all do, but a lot of them lose their jobs, then litigation becomes very active. But the what makes salaries go up all the time is corporate. It's always been the case and that's how that works. Okay. So what aspects of government attorneys? So working in the government is actually, there's a lot of benefits to working in the government. So this is a question about what happens to government attorneys during recessions. I, the city or county attorneys, I haven't ever seen a big downturn in the work that government attorneys for during recession, especially if you're there. Obviously the revenues that government attorneys make is affected by tax, by taxing properties and things. So so I, I haven't seen, I mean, again, I don't place government attorneys, but I, I just logically, I don't think that government attorneys ever really have a lot of job, a lot of issues during recession. And it's actually a very good, so almost, it's a very good practice area. It's a very good kind of job to have. And there's a lot of stability that government attorneys have, I think, compared to other practice area, other practice settings. So it's pretty, it's, it can be pretty awesome, actually, compared to other things. The next question is, okay, what during a recession, are there opportunities to work as a consultant or independent contractor for law firms, and which will save them on employee benefits, but can 
provide my specific legal expertise? This is a good question. So the problem, so there's, if a law firm has an employee, there's a, as if you're an employee in a law firm, so there's a, even though it's not what it used to be 40 years ago, there's a presumed different level of commitment that, that a lot that someone has with a, an employee versus a independent contractor. So law firms very quickly and easily can let independent contractors go, literally just calling them in on a Tuesday and saying, we're not going to need you the next day. And, and that's just how it works. Whereas the decision to let go someone that's an employee and working on the case is much more difficult. So there are opportunities for independent contractors and consultants in law firms, and and the law firms do the idea that they're saving employee benefits. But the problem, a lot of times that that people run into with contractors is it's just it's a different level of commitment and understanding of the client. It's just there's just a lot going on that I don't want to spend too much time on. But that lack of commitment is something that kind of can work against you. Our company, for example, we have contractors that do certain roles and and typically they don't understand the subject matter of whatever they're doing in anywhere near as much detail as the people that are employees. And, and it's like that in, in law firms too. So yes, there are opportunities to work as a consultant or independent contractor and, and you can definitely do that. And a lot of people have very good long-term careers doing that. So I'm not saying that, but but you have to be very careful. If you're not if you're not working full time for a law firm, you're not going to get the same level of security. But at the same time, you will have more options a lot of times. But is the work is interesting? Are you going to get as the most important work? There's just a lot of questions that go along with that. At the same time, uh, I want to make one point. I know a lot of people that I know. One guy that went to I think UCLA for law school and retired from the practice of law in his third, like late thirties, with a lot of money in the bank, and he was nothing but a, a contractor. He got out of UCLA and just became a contract attorney and and did that for fifteen twenty years and retired. You can do very well being a contractor. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with it, but at the same time, it's not the same type of job because you're not going to be having a, this long-term relationship with clients and, and other things as you might as an attorney, but some people want that and that's good. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunities during recessions to do that type of work. And not just because the law firms are saving money, it's because there's just there's that type of work. There's They need people that can write briefs, they need people that can do transactional work, and, and they may not have the ability to pay them a full-time salary. So that's good. So people are talking about chat GBT and how it can save people, let me just put this, some junior associate related work, let me see, in particular, and how it can take over some junior associates work to cut cost. Okay. And could you please share your thoughts on this? And that's an interesting question. I don't think that... Chat GBT or any online any AI program is there yet. I think that I think that there's certain things it can do in terms of researching the law and other things. And I don't know the Chat GBT. I think it's only updated through 2020 or 21. But I don't know that it would have the same type of case law. I think Google Scholar is actually very good, by the way, for case law. I've always liked that and different things. But yes, I think ChatGPT can summarize different areas of the law and other things that junior associates typically would do. At the same time, you need someone to ask questions and know what questions to ask ChatGPT or any type of programs like that. So if someone doesn't know the types of questions to ask, then it's not going to be effective. But I do think potentially help with research and actually reducing legal bills to some extent for, for clients if clients know how to use it. I don't think that 
most things could be done by it. But I, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not an expert in AI and, and what something like ChatGPT does. But, and there have been lots of programs around like that for a long time. There's Jarvis, there's a bunch of other things. But yeah, I think that it could probably help with a lot of tasks. But at the same time, I still, you still need someone to know what to ask and then know what to review. Uh, otherwise, I think a lot of mistakes would be made. But I think it could be, I think it is, I think for people that know how to use, I think it's a good research tool. I don't know that it's something that would is going to take over the junior associate's work, but I do think it could definitely cut costs, which I think is a good thing for clients. And I think people that know how to use things like that can actually probably do much more effective research because it's still about, it's still about knowing what to ask and how to ask it. And I remember when I was practicing, there were people that didn't know how to find cases and things on using Lexus or Westlaw. And there were certain people that knew how to do that. And others, it's no different than knowing how to look things up and based on without a computer. So you have to know what you're doing. So I don't know that it's much of a threat, but I do think that based on what a lot of these AI programs can do, and they've been around for years, it's going to make a, just as online legal research changed everything, it will do the same. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So following up in the new laid off associate, I was laid off with two months of, sorry, the reason I was looking away is because I have another monitor. Two months of past civil lease and other obligations, crazy to reach out and try to renegotiate more from the small law firm, especially since they spent many months writing up a review to give themselves ammunition to fire me and try to destroy my reputation. Okay. I don't know that they're trying to destroy your reputation. I think that they're just trying to cover their, cover their self. These are their attorneys. So that's attorneys. Are typical. That's what they do. But I, I think two months pay is pretty normal. I'm pretty good. So I don't think, especially if you're a junior associate, I don't, I, uh, don't know that that it's that bad. One of the things I would say to everyone on this call is if you are laid off in the future, just realize that this is what happens and it can happen to anyone. It's not your fault. It's and, it's, and people typically will take actions in response to that. I think a lot of people when they're laid off will in the future believe that they have to be very careful in the future. And, and they, and, and, meaning... I think when people are fired a lot of times from a firm or let go, I think that they become a lot of times worse employees in the future because they're more, they're, they're suspicious and not trusting. And I think that you have to, and I'm not, it's not easy to do, but you have to let that go. And you just have to become, you have to be able to throw yourself in and let this go. Cause it, again, it happens to everyone. I think most attorneys lose jobs, not everyone, but most. You have to be able to let it go. Because the problem is one of the reasons I think that law firms don't like hiring 
people that are laid off. I've noticed this and I just want to bring this up. I think I spoke about it last week too, but if some, or maybe the week before, but if someone is let go from a job, like I've like, I, I talked to attorneys and I've been talking when I, years ago when I, anyway, but I used to hire, cause I would talk to attorneys all day long and I'd be like, I can't believe this great person that went to this great school was at this great firm and they were let go. It's horrible. Maybe I can help them. And I did this to a ton of people and almost every single person, the only employees that uh, people that I've ever had problems with, meaning they became competitors and badmouthed me. And then were people that I'd hired that had been fired from their previous firms. And these were like the most toxic imaginable people. Now, were they toxic and that's why they got fired from their last employer? Or were they toxic because firing, being fired made them toxic? It was a problem. I don't know. But I think that there's a perception that sometimes if people are fired from a job and you're the next one to hire them, that they're going to be toxic at the next place. And because they're mad and they want to get back at someone and you're the only person, the next employer is the only one they can, I don't know, something along those lines. So just, I would caution you just to realize that if you're fired, whatever, there's some lessons there probably that you did some things and could have done some things differently. So you have to realize those, but you cannot carry that into your next employer. You have to just move forward and do your best with the next place. So no, you don't want to renegotiate with a small law firm. I think two months is actually fair. I don't think it's pretty good. And I think that's actually pretty nice, to be honest. I think that's not bad. So I think, especially for a small law firm. Okay. So I hope that answer helps. You're obviously too young to know what happened when Free Frank raised first-year attorneys early in the 1980s salary boom. Okay, that may be true. Thank you. Because this person's saying they've, they're have a trademark attorney and uh, this person used their name. So then they've seen a lot of additional work over the past few months. Yeah, that may make sense. Past three months, I've had a significant increase in activity and had two interviews. Evidence of been moved out of the recession. I don't know that's evidence that it may just because you get in interviews. I think it's a good question. I remember talking to you on the resume call last week, this person, because I recognize your name. But I think there's definitely a recession just because there's some work that may be in the pipeline doesn't mean that there's not a recession. And uh, yeah, that's my opinion. Let me see. No, I think that's pretty much most of the questions. So if anyone doesn't have any other questions. And I appreciate everyone's questions today. I think these are great questions. The, the one thing I would say is I will release a report, a formal report about the market in the next week or so. I just, there's a lot of charts and things, but we try to track all the interviews and oh, we do track them and put them into high charts and things for the report. So I will release that hopefully in the next week or so. And then on the other thing is, I think last week there was a resume webinar we did and there may have been some additional resumes that weren't reviewed. So I do want to do that. I don't know if I'm going to do it next week, I would, but I want to do that. And then also a cover letter workshop as well to go over cover letters and resumes. I think hopefully that was helpful uh, last week. And I do appreciate everyone's questions today. And, and uh, I hope everyone has a great week. So thank you. Bye. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.